Welcome to Disruption Land. Welcome to Disruption Land. Welcome to Disruption Land. The unconventional take on all things. Innovation, tech and transformation. Join us as we explore the ideas and impact that might just change, change the, the world. world. To spread knowledge in the topic of diversity and inclusion, we invite you to join us and Disruption Land on a conversation focused on solutions and hands-on measurement that you as company can do to ensure that you actively work with diversity and inclusion. For this, we invited Susan Ray Lindbay into Disruption Land. Susan is determined to spread data-informed knowledge in order to create awareness. She's the founder and CEO of The Social Few, an insight-based diversity and growth company. Welcome into Disruption Land, Susan. Thank you so much. And I'm so happy to have you because, uh, I mean, we speak a little bit of different languages. Uh, you have a background on like statistic, communication, business development and tech, but uh, you speak a lot on data. Uh, but I want to start uh, by speaking about innovation. How is this is connected to diversity and also inclusive leadership? Mm. Because I know you have done studies on this and, and mm. uh, how is it connected with data? Can we measure it? Yeah, I mean, there are different ways of going about it. Um, what we found is there's a lot of reports connecting, as you mentioned, like diversity to um, innovation and growth and etc. What we did, haven't found is the how. Like, w- at what point does that happen? Does the innovation level increase and so on and growth and etc. And how do you go about measuring that? So what we've did, we, what we've done is that we've, we've had a research where we w- what we call uh, one question where it's actually we give a team of 12 people um, uh, a challenge for them to solve. The challenge is Mm -hmm. formed uh, as a question. This is something that we've collaborated with 13 large corporations and we've taken their main challenges for these teams to solve. So what we've done is that we've uh, segmented the, the teams in three levels. So the first team is diverse, uh, high perspective density, we call uh, it. So what do you mean by diverse and what do you mean by exactly. high perspective so density? So high perspective density. Perspective density is the amount of non-normative uh, norbit- perspectives. So a normative perspective is the those perspectives that are the most common in that context. Mm-hmm. The non-normative are the ones that are not as common, but very important, obviously, to have in different contexts in order to create a diverse group, in order to create diverse ideas and innovations. Mm. So first team was uh, high perspective density, then we had mid perspective density, and the third one was low perspective density. So how can this look if we're just going to, can you see on this group? I mean, Mm. is it it what? what country your parents come from mm. is it your age is it your gender what is could yeah. it be different it's everything from gender identity to ethnical identity and languages mm-hmm. to age to um disciplines uh, and a couple of more perspectives oh. that we bring in just to ensure that we have like what is the most common among our population and also maybe more like the, the most common among the ones that we actually want to reach in our Marketing yeah. and so the group that you put together, the lowest perspective density could be like, just for an example, it could be a group with 30 to 40 year old women that mm-hmm. are with a background of this and that. Mm-hmm. that are really Actually, the mon- co- most common ones, like in different uh, <laughs> uh, uh, like industries, like in some industries, it's super common to have uh, like a white male, uh, 40 to 50. 
live in certain type of areas with socioeconomic certain socioeconomic backgrounds mm. and etc and they all get like super well along <laughs> they all agree and they're like oh, yeah man yeah and it's like yeah so it's like a certain culture where y- there is not a lot of room to have how do you say like other opinions let's say mm-hmm. uh, than what the masses have while if you look at a, a team with high perspective density there are rooms for being different and that is okay as long as you create a safe space yeah. which uh, is exactly where the the leadership comes in so we know that high perspective density is not enough to get the like a, a the level the higher level of innovation that we're looking for we've noticed that uh, we needed right type of leadership like a facilitating inclusive leadership uh, leaders that have high learnability skills that are curious that want that are not connected to like they don't feel any prestige to whatever they're doing mm. they understand that uh, what is what they know today they won't it won't be like interesting maybe tomorrow yeah. so they s- constantly want to renew themselves and to make sure that they're on top of, of on, t- on top of it so mm. to say um, and the combination of high perspective density with that kind of leadership led to uh, having we received uh, 10 times more answers to the same challenges than in uh, the te- from the teams that had low perspective density with wow. traditional leadership so 12 answers from 12 people with low perspective density and traditional leadership and 120 answers and solutions uh, wow. from the so team. So 12, it was like one each and then they yes. were like, oh, that's good. They oh, were so <laughs> satisfied. Yeah, I mean, I found that super interesting. I mean, I, I don't think it's it's any brain science. I, I think you recognize it uh, that in teams where people are quite alike, yeah. uh, you, you tend to be like, yeah. You give each other a yeah. voice, but it's like, yeah, your idea is good and my idea, like everybody should add something. Maybe. Exactly. But mm-hmm. what I found fa- fascinating because because we had one hour, we did this 13 times. So it's not like once or twice. Mm. We had one hour to get as many qualitative answers. So not just the quantity. We we removed the answers that didn't represent the quality that we wanted yeah, in okay. the answers, mm-hmm. so to say. But when we came back to the, the teams that were um, had low perspective density, they were so content with themselves and each other. The leader was so happy. Mm. <laughs> and I found that in, interesting because when we came to the other teams, let's say the mid-perspective density, when it was an inclusive leader that facilitated the the talks and and, uh, made sure that everybody had time to speak and made sure that everybody felt comfortable with, I mean, be able to be Whatever they want to say, yeah, Yeah, exactly. When uh, the leader was like, yeah, I think we could have done more, but I'm happy if they're happy, you know, my team. You know, that kind of approach, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the same with high-perspective density with with the inclusive leadership, while the team was like, (laughs) <laughs> I mean, they were so, they were contempt in another way. Mm. They felt like, yeah, I, I got to be myself. And you know, that little key makes so much of a difference. So why do we still, I mean, because if we can measure it, if we can actually, this is like proving it, uh, but uh, we still find in many, many, like I know you speak and work with a lot of companies. Do they still think that they have a diverse group or like what is the... Mm. Their I mean, own it, eyes on their own <laughs> <laughs> organization. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a mix, obviously. And I, I feel like we're moving towards a more aware time when it comes to these uh, matters. We've noticed that the, the, our clients and our the, the companies that we speak to are much more aware than just like three years ago yeah. when it comes to, okay, so we thought we were diverse. 
we're not as diverse as we would need to. It's not only about like what we want to. Like yeah. we need to be this uh, like mid perspective density at mm. least in order to uh, survive like the yeah. coming 10 15 years depending mm. on on the size of the company. So I feel like the awareness has grown obviously mm. yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean diversity that's why we don't use diversity as much as perspective density yeah. because diversity is quite like subjective. Yeah. What diversity means to you might mean something else for somebody else especially in Sweden where these matters are quite like uh, we're not not really as mature as maybe in the state. So here sometimes we can talk about like gender equality and and uh, yeah. we say diversity yeah. uh, and it's not really the same uh, because we're not uh, including like intersectional perspectives. And also age. I mean, to be honest, in these times, I don't feel that uh, like I'm in uh, like uh, 30 and I don't if I speak to somebody that is 50 and 20, it doesn't make that much of a difference if we still come from the same background. It's just like it, it, I mean, for me, age is not a big it doesn't it, it it doesn't measure up only to have a diverse group on gender and age no i mean gender i think is something that can sometimes be forgotten like the importance of, ge- yeah. of age age is super super important because yeah. it's a matter of knowledge sharing also True. Yeah. Uh, those perspectives that come with age you can't buy you can't no, learn no. so that's something that we should ap- absolutely uh, utilize in a much better way than we do today however it is not only uh, age obviously not age is not only uh, the, the the perspective uh, it's not enough for us to be able to call it diverse mm, no. if it's a, a age spread among the team so it, how many like perspectives sh- should you look at if you have like gender you feel happy with that in your company like okay we have a diverse like a gender and age mm. but then what is the next to look at because languages and uh, ethnical identity yeah yes because with that usually comes that people live in different areas also because it's super scary i would i would recommend everybody to try and, f- and see um to if you want to measure one thing just measure where people live like the the type of uh, areas yeah uh, part of cities that says a lot like from a socioeconomic perspective yeah. from an interest perspective uh, from a, a persona perspective, like are we social climbers? Are we whatever? You know, yeah, like yeah. you can see n- some type of, I would say similarities. Yeah. Usually come, you you say it says a lot. Uh, yeah. But is it also if we come then to to the the hiring process? Mm. Because maybe some groups are attracted to apply to a mm-hmm. company, so mm-hmm. they actually get larger amount of. Can you change that? Can you adapt that on the way you, when you hire? Mm. Uh, or like, first of all, the applications you get in? Mm. Or is the application diverse, but maybe you just bring in mm. some ta- one group? Good, good question, yeah. So I would say, first and foremost, you need to identify, is it our employer brand that needs to be developed? Mm. Or is it our recruitment process? Which means that if you already have a diverse pool of apl- applica- applicants, applicants, can't even say that yeah. word, um, uh, then you need to ensure that they come through in the, the recru- recruitment process. But if you don't get a diverse, uh, so to group, say, yeah. Uh, yeah, group applying to and then working you at your company, right then you there, have a company have there. So, yeah. so that you don't spend money, <laughs> like budgets on stuff that is not going to change things. Mm. You need to first identify your your areas of yeah, because this was what I was thinking you can actually look at like how you do the ad or how, however you advertise that you have but also the employer branding because maybe some groups even if it's when women men or ethnicity or mm. age 
maybe don't feel like oh I should apply there mm. because like oh I'm too old or I'm too young or yeah like what we've seen like uh, as the most efficient way of attracting I would say diverse groups which means basically both the ones that you have and the ones that you don't that yeah. is diverse it, what we've seen is transparency uh-huh. I mean if you're not diverse if you say that you you don't have uh you, you you're like gender equal which is awesome you are age equal which is awesome but you're missing for example like a lot of languages and and cultures and etc then you need to be transparent about it and say that we're not this is not an area that we're very good at right now we need we want to be better mm. we want to have more perspectives in order for us to create a better working culture in order for us to create da 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 and da, mm. you know be honest about it that's when you'll you start getting oh you get so yeah honesty is really yeah but then you need to be aware so then we need to go back exactly. to the awareness of the like are exactly. we what is our weak point where are we coming from yeah. exactly and to identify that and then just go out and say like okay so this is not this is something that we need to be better at mm. that's it yeah. and and uh, people respect that more than you know go, you going out and using tokenism and di- and such things that are quite deceiving really yeah. like in the eyes of an uh, like future employee where you have like two or three uh, say women with the hijab or uh-huh. uh, black uh, women men uh, whatever and then you come into the company and there's like not one yeah and that's problem that's more problematic i would say you lose more on that than being transparent but isn't also that like if you look at a group it could look diverse like oh we have uh, yes. different skin colors so we have different age yes. but then you look at the group and it's still it's not so diverse if you look at Yes, so perspectives matter yeah. from a visual point of view of obviously when you want to attract new talent. Yeah, because uh, if it looks diverse at least you're yeah, you ahead feel, of the game. <laughs> yeah, but also you feel like okay, so there are other people like me and etc. and that mm. creates like such psychological safety and and of course you need more than that, but that's the start. And mm. uh, what we need to be aware of that you can of course be you can be African American and you yeah. uh, can be um Arabic, Swede, so, yeah. so to say, but your ed- ethnical identity might be swedish yeah exactly yeah so it's about m- a matter of identity identity says much more than mm. your origin yeah, obviously your ethnicity yeah. so where your parents come from that's one thing yeah. it doesn't have to be the same identity that you feel connected to yeah. which is super important to see because we've seen in our uh, research that companies that feel like they're super happy with their diverse teams and then we investigate and see like what do you identify yourself as and then you're like yeah we have a totally 100% swedish team yeah. which i mean it's a it's a interesting mix because when you recruited you might have felt comfortable because they speak like you they 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 tend to uh yeah you feel some sort of similarities and mm. you feel comfortable and then you're super happy that you manage to hire diverse teams and you should be happy it's not about being happy or not it's just like what exactly are you measuring yeah because if we're going to go e- back to the innovation and the group of then you need diverse perspectives exactly not uh, just exactly yeah. but of course there is a, a higher probability that if of you course. hire somebody that uh, doesn't look like the rest yeah. of your team <laughs> exactly that you get other perspectives and also Obviously. not to forget i mean it's super super important that with skin color comes perspectives Mm, of course uh, obviously uh, i mean both good and bad obviously yeah. because you are racified uh, as a black man even if you're adopted in sweden true yeah yeah so with that comes those perspectives yeah but it doesn't mean that you have perspectives from where you were adopted so uh, data statistic numbers uh, i know that you also in, in terms of languages you speak seven languages is it is it seven? i speak yes yeah seven 
and you learn a lot because you grew up in a diverse yes so because i i this is also a point that i've had when i speak to some you know entrepreneurs here in sweden it's like they know uh, alexandra as well as you know like we spoke about that it's you know so much just from growing up so you learn more about your area and the kids you grew up with in terms of history you know language mm. or other perspectives than you did from school yes and that's also really important so you actually if you I, i haven't thought about diversity if you look at the team where they live and also mm. maybe where they from or mm. but if we go into number statistics this is really a way of communicating why is it so because there's a lot of people that work on diversity and inclusion or growth that are not speaking mm. data <laughs> like you do yeah i mean for for me data stems in numbers obviously and numbers is my language as, as you mentioned for me it's it's an interest that I've, i've had since i was a kid my my parents of course prepared me and raised me to be a doctor uh, <laughs> <laughs> i know you're a couple of i, I know you understand me some of your listeners <laughs> uh, having foreign parents yes oh. uh, so my father is a doctor and and it was super important to to uh, yeah for them to do that uh, to raise me as a as a doctor uh, however quite early i realized that i had an easier way of expressing myself via numbers mm. than i might have towards speaking normal languages yeah. to people and i mean as a doctor you need to be able to be a commu- communicative mm. which i'm i say i'm not saying i'm not but i mean i would love to incorporate numbers so at, at one point i actually looked at how can i incorporate numbers into medicine <laughs> oh wow <laughs> so i can you know yeah. make everybody happy yeah, yeah. <laughs> become the doctor your parents <laughs> wanted you to be <laughs> exactly <laughs> and for, do your, numbers. with your passion yeah. numbers yeah okay. yeah but uh, uh quite soon after that i real i realized no but i mean I, i'm sure that my parents just want me to be happy so i pursued math and statistics after that because i realized quite early also that i can use numbers because i am a f- i'm a female i have foreign background i'm ratified i am um young so i have like a couple of perspectives against me like mm. when you look at it from a whole society perspective yeah, yeah. and structural and etc so i thought like uh, i think not only for me but for a lot of people like me yeah i would need to use my my skills and my interest for numbers in order to cha- create change and i believe that people uh understand numbers i see that people understand numbers it doesn't matter where you're from it doesn't matter what language you speak numbers is a universal language of truth mm. and and you were awarded the role model of the year uh last year yes for the wing award so Yay. you yeah. became the role model so that's really yeah and i was i was yeah, so a li- several that. small girls there you know that wants to work with they can yeah i mean m- math is paving way i mm. mean for for a lot of things yeah and people i mean tend to react with um emotion when they see numbers also depending on how you present a number w- which is why i also went back to school after a couple of years of having my own businesses and stuff to learn communication like it doesn't help it's not enough to only have numbers you need to speak speak it yeah, in normal that, language yeah. <laughs> but isn't also I, i also really like numbers not in the way you do but like when like statistics and that mm, you really mm. can see because um it it it's so much information people have so many opinions so easy to just like mm. you know say something and we need to question some things but then if data comes in of course and 
you need to look at how is this data presented and where does exactly. it come from and because now even people twist the data <laughs> obviously yes yeah. so we have fake news and etc yeah yes uh, that's why uh, i feel like for example we have factfulness with hans rosling yeah. and the rosling family this is a book everybody should read yeah. factfulness and um, that is a genius way of presenting yeah uh, statistics and with data. pictures and yeah. uh, if yeah. you haven't read it yet and it's it's so important yeah information yeah. and data and the next step is to always always be uh, critical of the data you see mm. so i obviously i I, um, i read a lot of reports and i read a lot of statistics and etc it's super important to always ask so, oh where did you get this from and what do you base that on yeah because of as you mentioned like fake news and etc and also i've asked 100 people but like who did you ask like white women yes. in their 30s yes. like well <laughs> so that's why it's like in every report look uh, at the back mm. uh, of the report and see like what do they base the report on and who do they base the report on because oh. ev- behind every data point is a human behind every data is a voice whose voices have been heard just make sure to look at that so how do you see it in the back i mean they are uh, like if it's uh, qualitative i mean if it's if there is a it's a quantitative research but it's quality yeah. made so to say so to, so to speak then they have to present their sources basically yeah. how, and their methods okay great mm. so not individuals but like okay so this amount of people were like mm-hmm, and this and this mm-hmm, yeah. and etc so you get to know as the much specify as, a bit yes and the methods yeah. so what are the structural challenges that we face today i mean obviously we both live in in sweden but mm. what do you see what are the structural challenges that we need to be aware of Mm. I mean, there is structural privi- privileges. Obviously, there are structural exclusion and racism, and that's. I, I think that there are very few people that can deny or want to deny that, which I'm happy about that we've come so far. That mm. if you are denying that, then it's kind of like I don't know. You're, yeah, you're not as uh, enlightened as you should be. Yeah, yeah. So of course they exist. And uh, one thing that I see structurally from what we do and my point of view from numbers is that we see a lot of reports being made like national reports mm. not only in Sweden but in general where they are supposed to represent the whole population and they are definitely not and we still make we based our decision on those reports mm. where uh, people's voices not all people's voices have been heard and when i say all i'm not expecting like in Sweden for all 10 million people to answer a survey I mean, but all from groups. a represent yes uh, from a representation point of view they're mm. not as representative as it, they should be to be relevant in order for us to create to make decisions to base decisions on yeah. especially when they're governmental uh, decisions mm. that's uh, that's structural and we've we've uh, had a lot of discussions with uh, people that that do or companies that do this type of research and the problem is a lot that they have to they still do the the manual kind of thing they they call people Uh. And even if you speak a language that the people speak, like say Arabic, if they don't know you and you live in a foreign country, it might not feel as interesting to answer the questions. Especially if you come maybe from a country where government had an eye on you uh, on that uh, level that yeah. you didn't haven't didn't don't want to basically. So I would say that that's uh, a problem. Like stop calling. Oh, you don't even get the voices. Yeah. That's yeah, that's the problem. So, so you don't get the answers, and then you you create a, a report. So this is what we've got, and then you base the uh, decisions on that report. And I know that you've done a f- measurement. I've seen you lecture a few times. I've interviewed on stage, so we have had several conversations before. Mm. But it was uh, also with companies that miss. I mean, I really want to show the 
the entrepreneurs and the business owners and the corporate like in mm. this talk why should they be motivated not just because of a humanitarian perspective but for a business perspective in terms of create innovation uh, or more earn more revenue mm. uh, create more because on, like in marketing and in mm. in to reach your customer you miss a huge part of the what could become your customers right yes and that is like a common quite common problem yeah. uh, people or companies are really not aware of what they're missing mm. both from an internal perspective like when hiring and etc but also from as you mentioned marketing yeah. like in Sweden we've, we were the first ones in measuring the value customer value mm. of uh, Swedish uh, people with foreign background which it was 400 billion kroner per year and a lot of companies were like 400 billion yeah Swedish kroner per year yeah, yeah. Which is, is quite high. I mean, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's why uh, some communities have their own uh, stores, their own uh, marketplaces, and etc. Because nobody else is offering them that yeah. uh, space, and uh, so it's a lose lose, or sometimes even lose win. I mean, I would say that minorities sometimes win because they create their own. Uh, so I mean, it depends on how you see it. Mm. But when it comes to like from a recruitment process or a recruitment point of view, I mean. It, what company do you want to work at where you get 120 solutions or where you get 12? Exactly. I mean, basically that. Uh, we see and what that group do you want to work with? Yeah, then? yeah. And also, like, when you get 120 solutions, you get a, a more 360 solution, which means that it's a solution that suits many more people, yeah. uh, which means that you sell more yeah. of the, that solution. And what solution. company wanna, you want to run, so you can really, like... Yeah. So what is the stepping stones to take? We spoke about that, you know, you need to know this is something that you can taken every in business overall you need if you you need to know where you are in mm. order to yes before you start the the road trip you know where are you want where do you want to go yes so the first thing is really to go yeah i would say like the first thing is to identify whether mm. it's symptoms or or uh, situations or whatever mm. you need to identify where you're at right now in order to find what you need to do yeah. so it's not only like finding solutions but because it's not always that you know what solutions are the best for the situation but mm. to know your your uh, challenges mm. it will make you a better how do you say more able to actually ad- uh, ask for help yeah so this is exactly what i need help yeah. with or this is what we need to make mm. better etc if mm. you don't then you have a budget where you, uh, we've seen this a lot, like you sponsor events in hope, hoping that uh, people will see your logo somewhere. You might be on the stage like for, I don't know how long and and hope that people that are there want to apply to work for you. And then you can't measure the return of investment in in the same way. You don't know like what effect, what what impact have we made (laughs) with this? So I would say like first identify what is your main challenge and then uh, take help. Yeah. And see, like, what would you say? We can maybe you might be able to execute it yourself, but to get that map and to say, like, okay, so you need to have more of this and this perspective, mm. and they are in this and this community, and this mm. is how you activate them, and then you can do that yourself. Yeah, and if you're not, I, I was thinking this as well. If you're you're not able to employ now because you can't just fire to hire because you want mm. the more diverse group, you can bring in somebody to help you on a consultant basis, huh. or yes. you know, uh, from the outside. This is uh, something that it's quite easy to do yes it is at least to start somewhere because it takes time it's especially on a big corporation you can just fire half of the yeah, staff to, to yeah. hire like yeah and the same goes with the board of directors yeah i think like we see uh, we we talk with a lot of 
uh, boards mm. get invited to talks and etc and uh, which is awesome uh, i think there's also a reason why we're there and uh, it's because a lot of them have realized that we need more perspectives in the board yeah. because the board is obviously the one that make the, course, the big yeah. strategic decisions like uh, when it comes to direction like what direction do we need to move mm. and nobody wants to be replaced obviously obviously and yeah. I, i wouldn't ask for anybody to be replaced because people are mostly there because they're good at what they do yeah. so how do we incorporate new perspectives to the current board mm-hmm. and that's why we have uh, like a parallel board like behind every perspective is another so you can always uh, incorporate that into w- before making decisions you have somebody behind you mm. and on top of that you have a succession order which means that when you go the person behind you take that place mm. because everybody i mean you have like one two three or how many years you have yeah. uh, in the board So it's not like only getting in the perspectives and not including them in the board. No, mm. no, they are there in order to get in uh, mm. moving forward. But nobody loses their spot. No. So it doesn't create like negative no, feelings and da da da. Th- that's an easy way of going about it. Mm. And you can work from the inside but also outside. And it's like for me, it's really motivated to hear that or to now tell others. But it's like. You can actually measure it and you can work on and it creates more innovation it creates more revenue it creates absolutely a better workspace and it creates resilience i mean yeah. in this uh, time now yeah. when we need companies with resilience yeah. obviously to survive this exactly we yeah. see that diverse companies are much more resilient now others. in the covid times or yes yeah so how do we prepare ourselves because this is not the last crisis and no. it's not like we should build companies for for crisis but we should build them to be strong But companies is problems solutions. <laughs> I yeah. mean, so it's uh, every day is a crisis sometimes in a startup. <laughs> <Sometimes> but, <laughs> you know, uh, at the epicenter who is uh, behind the or powering this podcast and disruption land is uh, you know we have startups, scale ups, mm. corporates, and only there you can see. And yes. obviously, uh, we only speak English on the events and on on everything that because and uh, we're in several countries. Only there you can see a different perspective because it's exactly. like in, in especially startups and scale up there are quite new companies. Hmm. Um, and you can see it at Epicenter. I mean, you can see the companies yeah. that are a lot of them are quite diverse. And you can see also uh, not only like see with your eyes, but see with data yeah. that they manage a little bit better. Yeah. And yeah. you know, the, I mean, Epicenter is a, a quite known for its innovation level. Yeah. So th- there is a connection. Yeah. Like we spoke about in the beginning. Mm. So what are the your personal motivations uh, because i know that i mean you want to create awareness or but uh, when you in the future what do you want uh, your ideas and impact how would you want them to change the world um I'm, uh, big question yeah yeah <laughs> a good question uh-huh. i would say like what i feel is uh, first and foremost there is a lot we we should and could change so mm. it's like some of them are low-hanging fruits and some not but in, in general i would like uh, accept I want I want the awareness that we create to be actionable. Mm. So go from talk to do. So everything is so theoretical sometimes. Yeah. I would like this to be a part of company infrastructure, like mm. an industry infrastructure and a societal infrastructure. We I want to see less societal imperfections mm. based on this awareness that we create and of course market imperfections. Mm. But societal is number one and then market imperfections obviously mm. market imperfections are easier to solve Mar- uh, societal imperfections are not as easy but more important mm. because i can also 
I'm, I mean, I'm super happy for you and uh, I've seen you on stage and I was also like, wow. But still, so when you reflect, it's like, should this knowledge be such a huge eye-opener? <laughs> like, we're in 2020. Yes. Like, if we go back, because I've heard you several times, like, like and every, I mean, I've always uh, interviewed in a panel just before the summer and it was like, wow, wow, wow. But it's still like, this is... It's, it yeah. should be like easy or you know what I mean it's yeah, like yeah. it's not brain science you said something like that it's like <laughs> yeah. shouldn't it be normalized in 2020 that it's but you still teach on a level that isn't it frustrating I mean the, we teach on different levels that's why we, we see uh, it's not bad to be on any level as mm. long as you have the, the interest and the curiosity and you want to be better mm. so we're happy about that but of course there are some companies and some people that are more aware than you're others. You're so patient, and I'm so, I, you're in the right spot, I think, because you need to be patient when you work on these questions, I think, and with data and... But listen, it's a human kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to... Racism is a problem. Yeah. People that are racist are not in my uh, best... Uh, I don't have patience that much for that, yeah. obviously. But I mean, let's... From a human perspective, uh, if you have lived in the same context, you've hanged out with people, with your... Group. perspectives and etc what do we expect i'm not saying that uh, we should expect racism because that is totally unacceptable but to for people to have their own world view so mm. to say and then in order to get in there and to ensure that they understand other people's world views it's not it's not that easy mm. i mean for for anybody yeah, yeah. We should should start earlier because I I work absolutely the past three years, as you know, I have worked more outside of Sweden than within, and I have seen my perspectives yes. develop loads. And I've also seen when I meet friends that are, you know, that I grew up with, and I speak to them now, I'm like surprised. But maybe I was there in the same conversations mm. a few years back, mm. and it's not on the level where it's like we cannot only question the obvious racism. We need to question or question. We need to teach ourselves and each other and look at like. What is if we're now going to speak on, you know, uh, company level and innovation mm. level and, you know, the growth level, yes. like motivate ourselves, like w how can this help our organization to grow? Yeah, and it's I mean, quite an easy fix if you look at other challenges you have as a business owner. Yeah. 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 I mean, but also you, you want to so leaders that are not interesting in being better, better themselves to learn new things, mm. have learnability skills are are not, how do you say how do you say this without being? Uh, <laughs> <from> <laughs> Just um, say it. Yeah, it's it's a they're a problem more yeah. than a solution. You know, mm. it's like you don't want the that type of leader to continue being that type mm. of leader. So I mean, there are ed educations and, and etc. But some people are just you don't have to live abroad. I mean, that's a plus, obviously. Yeah. But in order to to have that interest, mm. but if you have lived abroad, then you know that there is an interest for other people and other cultures you're not o you're not close to it you mm. are open to it yeah uh, and also we need to be aware of there are people that work and live abroad but live in their own communities where they yeah. came from that's also like something to th that's measurable yeah. basically yeah. so you can look at you can ask your employees have you lived abroad if you if they have lived uh, abroad longer than eight months yeah. that's like a, some sort of a level where you know that they can understand the culture better. Mm. So eight months, four months is not oh, enough, okay. etc. Then that's a plus. Mm. And then you can ask also, have you learned the language and how much and etc. It says a lot of how much did you want to get to lo know the locals mm. and how much have you been with the locals? I mean, 
learnability there are different ways of, of measuring that also I know mm. that I have a friend and colleague um, uh, innocent Mugenga who mm. is working on measuring that mm. uh, so uh, look him up but I mean it's super super important to have curious leaders yeah. to have leaders that are aware of that there are other things and the perspective that they own mm. and if we gonna end this uh, talk uh, you know I can speak on this uh, for a long time and we have done several times and we'll sure do again <laughs> but if you would leave some to if we are gonna speak to the startups and the scale-ups mm. because I know the corporates can just like come on put your money on this now and then do better but if we're gonna uh, speak to smaller companies and scale-ups and startups mm. What are the most important steps to take now? Because they actually have, they can do stuff now that will create a corporation mm. that are diverse, innovative and everything. So what are important in the beginning? You would I say? mean, there's a huge opportunity for for startups and scale-ups mm. to uh, implement an inclusive infrastructure from mm. scratch, which means that they should always be aware statistically as a, from a data perspective, like what perspective they have in the team right now. What perspectives they need? Mm. And what perspectives are they go- want to? Do they want to reach mm. with their marketing? And so for whom is this product? And even if it's B to B, for whom is the end? Uh, who is the end user? Yeah. So always have that in mind, so you can help your customer mm. be better and your client and etc. So I would say uh, have like a, a data infrastructure on the perspectives you have, the perspectives you need, and to measure the ratio in between. Like, where are we mm. in order to do that? So, and in- include very, very early on, like inclusive leadership. Mm. If you have the possibility, go to uh, like to learn uh, yeah. how to be one, if that's possible for you. Obviously not everybody has the fundings for that. If yeah. not, there's a lot of information on internet. Mm. On, on internet, <laughs> I think I said that like, like seven years ago like the last time on internet yeah Yeah. uh but you know what i mean and uh, be curious like start a curious company build a curious company with so the company has learnability like high learnability Mm. not only as individuals so you get 128 answers was it 128 120 yeah instead of 12. yes build that so uh, we can create more innovation and impact with data informed inclusion Thank you so much, Susan. It's been a pleasure once again. For all of you guys that want to know more about Susan, you can go to thesocialview.com. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us here in Disruption Land. To visit again, just subscribe to Disruption Land podcast. This podcast is produced by Epicenter, the house of digital innovation. Discover all about our vibrant tech and business community and inspiring workspaces at weareepicenter.com.